Hello, Spotlight friends. Today, we are meeting with Eve Tushnet. We are going to talk all about her new book, Tenderness, a Gay Christian Guide to Unlearning Rejection and Experiencing God's Extravagant Love. Eve is a very talented writer, and she lives out of Washington, D.C. She is amazing. I've had the opportunity to read her book this weekend. And so I'm so excited to sit down and talk with her and gain some of her wisdom and insight. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Like I was saying, I I've read your most recent book and it was just amazed. So thank you so much for sharing that, but I would love for everyone listening to hear more about you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, let's see. What's my deal? Um, (laughs) I live in D.C., which is my hometown, so I'm not far from where I grew up. I was not raised Catholic. Most of my actual conversion story is in my first book, which is just called Gay and Catholic. But I was raised more or less Reformed Jewish and then became Catholic in college. And basically, I now write for a living. I do a lot of arts and book reviews. I review a lot of horror movies. That's my sort of unexpected niche, I guess. And a lot of writing about alternative forms of kinship, which is some of what's in the book. I love that. Oh my gosh. What a hodgepodge of things. Writing about alternative forms of kinship, also reviewing horror movies. You are a very intriguing person. Oh my gosh. So tell us about your most recent book. What inspired you to even start writing? Like I am very much not a creative person. And so putting a pen to paper is really hard for me, but I know that some people just have that gift, which I know that you do. So what inspired you to kind of pick up the pen and start writing and sharing your story? And what are your hopes for the books that you have? So writing, I've been writing since I was little. My parents make fun of me because uh, apparently my first story was something called Fun with Gum, which gives you an idea of the level that I was working on. I love that. But with this book, it was really because when I published Gang Catholic, which was sort of mostly my story and then an exploration of ways that people could love in give and receive love in harmony with the Catholic Church, with the Catholic teachings. And after you publish a book like that, a lot of people want to talk to you and Mm -hmm. tell you what their experiences have been. And that's kind of how I learned how sheltered I had really been as a convert and as someone who came into the church in an environment that was, I now realize, like a kind of unusual combination of both very orthodox and very accepting Mm -hmm. and genuinely kind of creative and willing to work with me to help figure out what my future would look like. And that's not most people's experience. Most people who either grow up gay in the church or come into the church later and realize that they're gay have a much harder time finding good advice, finding people who kind of get where they're coming from. And it leads to a lot of deep feelings of almost distrust of God, an inability to trust that God genuinely cherishes them. Mm. A lot of feeling that God is only their judge and has no kind of, no good word for them. And so as people began to tell me more and more of their experiences ranging from just kind of the thing that I think everyone can verify, which is that you won't find public models of obedient, kind of like orthodox, openly gay, self-accepting, 
Catholics in the church. They're just like, when was the last time you sort of met one, right? Or mm-hmm. found a book in your parish library or your school's library by someone in that position, like never. Um, so on the one hand, there's just that silence that really damages people's sense that there could be a future for them in the church. And then on the other hand, there's actual, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Explicit bad experiences where people can be, like, physically harmed, beaten up at Catholic schools or told that they are gay because of uh, demonic activity and they need to be exercised or just, like, a lot of damaging stuff that happens that ultimately leads people to feel like either God is not on my side And I need to stop being gay as soon as possible. And so they seek out very damaging kinds of therapy. Or they just say, well, look, the church isn't on my side. And they go somewhere else. Hmm. And this to me is really tragic because as I try to sort of talk about in the book, the church actually has a lot of resources for understanding people's needs and for helping them to find a relationship with a God who cherishes them immensely, unquestioningly. So the book starts in that kind of dark place of like, here's the stuff that happens to people that damages the relationship with God. And then the rest of it is really coming through. How can you restore that relationship? What are ways of reading scripture that would help you to see that God genuinely sees the longing for love that you have and has guidance? There isn't just like a no, there's actually guidance for how you can live a life that's characterized by giving and receiving love, including same-sex love. And then kind of here are things that, here are ways that you can look at even your hardest experiences and give them to God and experience God's tenderness in those moments. So it's sort of a book about, for people who come to God and the church with a lot of fear, how can you begin to trust and to say, what if all the things that people told me in childhood that Jesus is love were really true and it's still okay that I'm gay? Wow. Oh my gosh. What an important message too, because I think so many people feel ill-equipped, right. To kind of even talk. And I mean, and prior to us recording, I was sharing with you, like, I, I mean, you were just also a regular person. You were talking about getting Christmas gifts and going to the store and, you know, whatever, like visiting your family. And I think so many people feel ill-equipped to converse with people that have same-sex attraction. And that so then they feel like it's hard to enter into community. It's hard to engage. And, you know, and then people that experience same-sex attraction feel like there's this, like, I don't really know where to turn to or what to read or how to educate myself, you know, Mm -hmm. that's not like you were saying dangerous or toxic. And so that that's such like a great and important conversation that you're having. And that's like so dope. And I am curious now that you mentioned it, I would love to know about your conversion and like what that looked like. I mean, to convert as an, you know, later on in life, I've, I've heard about it, you know, but it just seems to be like, I mean, what a leap to, to live so much of like your formative years in a certain way and then, and then convert. So what was that like for you? Yeah, well, that was, so I was at college, so I was already sort of um, exploring, but, and I was already openly gay. Everybody who knew me knew that I was gay and that it was relatively important to me, but, and I think it was really important that they didn't 
act like that was weird. It was at a college where lots of people were gay, were, were sort of even at that time known for it. And so everybody had already met a bunch of other gay people, which I think helped a lot. But I really fell in love with what the Catholics were saying about really basic theological stuff, the incarnation, the crucifixion. They talked about their faith in a way that I think they honestly didn't really expect me to care, but it was beautiful. I really found myself longing for a faith that was that kind of deeply infusing the created world with beauty and meaning and also merciful. And whenever they talked about those things, I would sort of perk up and be like, okay, tell me more. Mm. I was really into, I am really into poetry and sort of the arts. And so when they said things like, well, the meaning that you perceive in the physical world, the reason that the physical world is so important to you and that it means so much to you in reality and also when it comes up in art, that's because you're seeing the fingerprints of the creator God. All of that is real. I had kind of grown up with the stereotype that the Catholic Church rejected the physical world and the body. And so to hear, know your intense response to the physical world and to beauty is your response to God was really powerful for me. That, and I think I had always felt a, a kind of alienation that for a while, when I came out as gay, I was like, oh, you felt alienated because you're gay, you're different in this way, and that sort of solves the problem. That's the answer. Yeah. But there was more to it than that. And these friends, while again, genuinely accepting me as gay, were able to draw out the ways in which maybe that alienation was coming from a deeper place and to say, you know, well, how we would talk about this is original sin, it's sort of a reminder to you that there's something that you are missing that you could connect with on a deeper level than you are right now. So that was all really powerful. I became Catholic when I was a sophomore in college. So I was 19. And it's one of those decisions that, as with many things in life, I'm sure I had a lot of reasons for it that were not that great. But I really have not regretted it since that time. It's been now a little over 20 years, I guess, 25 years. And I feel like I've only grown in love for the church and in kind of discovering the treasures of the faith. And you kind of see in the book, in the new book, I think everyone, whether they are a cradle Catholic or convert, has to discover at some point that the Catholic church is bigger than the way that they were introduced to it, mm. that there's actually more there than what their parents showed them of the church because their parents, you know, are only two people with their own spirituality and your spirituality and your needs may be different from theirs. And what's been sort of amazing to me is how much I have found in the church that has responded to even things that the people who originally brought me into the church hadn't experienced, didn't know, and couldn't really connect with. But there were things there for me. So yeah, it's been, I guess, an experience of deepening and kind of discovery since then. Wow, that's amazing. And like, what a, I mean, you're right. Your experience sounds so different. And like, what a blessing to be able to have a community that was able to kind of work with you and, you know, get to know you personally and really be like gentle and then allow you to be vulnerable. And then to where you're in this position right now, that's like, that's so great. This episode is brought to you by Hallow. 
the number one Catholic app for prayer, meditation, music, and more. Hallow features litanies, novenas, and other challenges to get you praying more often and connect with your community. It also features Bible stories and guest sessions from well-known Catholic speakers like Father Mike Schmitz, Bishop Barron, Jonathan Rumi from Chosen, Dr. Scott Hahn, and Father Mark Mary. Hallow is an amazing resource for any Catholic looking to dive deeper into their prayer life, find more peace, and ultimately grow closer to God. Make sure to check out Hallow at hollow.com slash Ave Spotlight. Hollow.com slash Ave Spotlight. I love everything that you write. <laughs> I have your first book on order and, you know, and your most recent one has just been an amazing read. And so I'm, I'm wondering when you wrote your most recent book, what was and is your hope for those that read? What would you like the big takeaway to be? I honestly think the biggest thing would be there is a future for me I can find it. It may not be in this book. I'm not trying to do the work for people or to give them all the answers. But it's like, look, if your anguish questions have led you to doubt God's love, let's try asking those questions in a way that trusts in God's love. What would that look like? And the answers that you come to in that, I'm going to give you some that people like me have found. Your own will be probably different in some ways, but I, I really hope that people can ask the questions that they have to ask the questions that God has given them to ask in their lives from a position of total trust in his love and trust in the church, that there is something for them in the church and that she genuinely can educate and guide and nourish you. Hmm, I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, that's amazing. And can you share with us where we can find more information about you and what you're up to and your books and just everything about you? Sure. So the books, I think, I mean, they're on Ave Maria's website, both Tenderness and Gay and Catholic. I also have on Amazon an author's page. So I also write novels. So you can get my two novels there on Amazon. And I do have a Twitter. If you would like to see me be more weird slash messy, uh, <laughs> it is Twitter. It is like the little at thing. And then um, Eve Tushnet. So it's just my name. But that's where I post, like, here's a bunch of wasps that made their nest in a baby doll. Isn't this the most horrifying thing you've ever seen, et cetera? Sweet. I love that. I rarely, I mean, I rarely use my Twitter, but I may just log in just to follow you um, because that sounds amazing. Where can we actually follow your horror movie reviews? That's pro that, Those will all get posted to Twitter because um, okay. <laughs> they are mostly for America Magazine, but sometimes on my blog also. Awesome. I love that. I'm also terrified of all things horror, but I might indulge myself and enter into that world. I have good friends that like love, live and die by horror films. So that's amazing. Great. Well, in every one of our episodes, we ask each guest what their hope for the week is. And so just something that you're hopeful for, something you're looking forward to. I'd like to switch it up a little bit and ask you, what is something that gives you hope recently? Um, what's something that gives you hope um, or sparked a little bit of joy in your life. If you need some time to think about it, I can go first. Otherwise, if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling? Yeah, I feel like if I go first, it'll be sort of um, 
What's the word? I, a little more shallow. So yeah, you go and I'll think. Okay. Well, you're going to feel great because like mine is definitely shallow. So something that has given me hope, I moved back home a couple months ago to my hometown and I have not lived here for like almost eight years. And so I don't know anyone, but I have reconnected with a few friends from like fifth grade and it has been great. And it hasn't been as horrific as I thought, um, because making friends as an adult can be a bummer (laughs) Um, and really hard. So it's been pretty great. I've gotten a lot of hope to think that now I'm like, it's actually possible to make new friends. And the other day when I reconnected with a friend, we went and got ramen, which I have never eaten because I live in the medieval times. So I got ramen and it was amazing. And now I am hopeful that my palate is expanded and I... I am now a ramenite, so I'm going to eat ramen whenever I can because it's so, so good. And I don't know where I've been this whole time. So that is something recently that has given me a lot of hope. How about you? It's a very satisfying food. Well, and, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's interesting when you started talking about friendship, I thought, you know, I think that is it because... I was in a weird place with a couple of my friendships and was very glad that we've been able to sort of talk through it, connect and kind of like be patient with each other. Mm. And that's, you know, it's, it's easy nowadays to lose track, to lose people uh, and hard to kind of hang on. And so I'm very grateful for that. And it does make me feel like, okay, everybody's out there trying, genuinely trying to kind of love each other. Mm -hmm. Everyone is absolutely trying. And it's just, I think once you realize that you're like, you know what, it's actually not that bad. We're all making a valiant effort, at least hopefully. And we all recognize even the beautiful thing is I even met up with some people from middle school. And as soon as we sat down, both of them were like, okay, excuse me if I'm awkward. I really haven't made a new friend in a long time. And I don't know if I'm good at it. So just even like the transparency of like, I'm going to be bad at this, but I'm ready to try, you know? So it's not that bad for every older person out there losing hope. We will be okay. Um, So that is awesome. But I am so grateful that we got to talk to you today and we will definitely link um, all things Eve in our show notes. So people can check that out. Um, And we're so grateful to have had you on the show. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for listening and thank you to Eve for being our guest. Make sure to check out Eve's book, Tenderness, available on the Ave Maria Press website. You can even use the code SPOTLIGHT for 20% off your purchase. I'm looking so forward to next week and I love talking to y'all every week. Thank you for listening. God bless. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.